Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. We are in the middle of the fastest moving technology shift in our lifetime. And for the majority of us listening, we live through the birth of the internet. So that's definitely saying something. Here's the good news. It's good news. Truly, I have so much to fill you in on. Join me for my upcoming workshop, The Market Shift. It's so crucial to online businesses that I'm offering it completely for free. No strings attached, just pure actionable insights that will help you navigate the coming changes. But that's not all. If you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get exclusive access to my brand new mini course, The Two-Click Funnel absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I'm running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Join me and prepare your business for the future. Go to bossproject.com shift to register now. If you're hearing this, there's still time. Don't miss out bossproject.com shift. Guess who has ran 12 miles in the past two weeks? I'm impressed. Me! <laughs> I'm impressed. I honestly, not that I didn't believe in you. I knew if you, I knew if you decided you were going to do it, you were going to do it, you know, because you're that kind of person. Yeah. But also, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had done it twice and been like, JK, absolutely. JK, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Week two got hard. So I'm doing the couch to 5K. And so it, you know, changes every three runs. You run for a little bit longer. You walk for a little bit less. And although I say run, it is a jog because my purpose right now is building endurance, not speed. And so every single like article I've read or feedback I've gotten from people who've done this are like run and then slow down. Like you need to be like jogging at a pace where like you could have a conversation with someone. And I was like, well, I don't know if I could do that even at the slow pace, but I get what you mean. And so my first couple of runs, I think I went too fast. And so I've been very intentional about slowing down and it makes it easier when I go slower. And so I can run for longer, which is literally what I'm trying to learn how to do. And so slowing down and being really intentional is harder than I thought it would be, but it does make it easier. Isn't that just the like, <laughs> like lesson for life here? I just want you all to listen to that. Running harder makes it harder. Yes, <laughs> Slowing yes. down allows you to have more endurance. I don't know. I feel like that applies to literally everything. It truly does. I mean, the tortoise and the hare is a real life lesson. And <laughs> what it also kind of reminds me is how truly innate it is within all of us for different seasons and for different things to try to go faster, harder, right out the gate. And like, I have to, I think it's harder to intentionally slow down. Not oh, just no, it's, running. It's so, but it's it's so, so much harder. <laughs> well, and I think this, for me, it brings up a conversation I had with you the other day. You were talking about, you know, 
I'm excited to be checking off these like childhood dreams of mine, writing a book and all this stuff. And I said to you, I have no doubts that I'm going to do these things that are still left on my like bucket list of sorts. And I'm really trying to let go of the timeline because I've put myself in like high pressure mode for so long. And so my challenge has been, how do I more intentionally rest? How do I more intentionally slow down? How do I take on less responsibility when literally at every turn, I want to take on more and do more? I even caught myself this weekend because I had a lot that I was juggling this weekend. And it's a lot very small things. I did want to run. I want to continue to run on my plan, right? I started stenciling this little alcove outside of our staircase and bedroom and it's taking for fucking ever and I want it done. I also reserve my mornings on weekends for writing. So I wanted to do that. I was also really tired, like physically tired. And so I wanted to sleep in. We also had two family events this weekend on two separate days where we had to drive like 30 minutes to go. So I had to shower and get ready and like go to those things. And so timing of everything, it just, it wasn't going to work out. I wasn't going to be able to check everything off on my list. And so there were multiple times throughout the weekend where I was like, why am I resting? I need to go like real quick. I have like 20 minutes. I need to stencil a little bit or real quick. I need to go check on this one thing with my book or like, okay, if I time this run and then the shower and this, cause I want to do this. And so I had to stop myself being like, I don't have to run this weekend. Like I literally don't have to, I don't have to stencil this weekend. If I don't want to, I don't need to write this weekend. If I don't want to, like, what are the things that are actually a priority for me? And it's family time. So, okay. If I cannot frazzle and hustle myself to go to that, what would that look like? I let us let us have slide this weekend and and didn't quote unquote get as much done as I wanted to, but it's like it's a craft project, like it's a side project, it's running, like it doesn't matter, right? No, and see, even just hearing you talk about that, I don't. It's something I don't relate. I do relate from the like tossing with yourself about what are you gonna do. But legitimately, guys, if I have one big thing on my list, and this mostly accounts for my personal time, I feel like I must use all my like ability to juggle multiple things at work. Because once I am off work, if there is more than one thing, no. <laughs> Just like, no. like if I'm going to the grocery store, that's my activity for the whole day. Like not that I can't, and I usually do end up helping and doing other things. But in my brain, I'm like, that's the day. Like, so like seeing family, oh, there's my thing. I did the thing. I can't possibly do one more thing. So I don't know. I just have such a hard time, like feeling like I'm wasting a weekend if I'm not doing stuff. And if that's my stressful thing of like, I have so much time to get to do all these things that I want to do. And so just like sitting around makes me feel, it's not guilty. It's truly that I'm just like, I just wasted it. And I won't feel rested on Monday if I don't do these things that I want to do on the weekend. Because sometimes painting is restful for me and writing is restful. You know what I mean? Like I have no doubt. Like those are all activities that fill you up. So they're not, I don't think they're bad in combination either. I just know hearing your list, I'm like, well, if I was that tired and I knew I had two events, sleep would have won and then I would have just done the two family events and that's what would have happened. It's also like, 
you know, having a, a six-year-old in the house, like I can only sleep in so much. Like oh, no, I can only sure. do so. And so it's just like, I already know that I'm going to be distracted or having to divide my attention. Like uh, truly getting to focus just on one thing just hasn't been an option for me in six years. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's forced my brain to just have to manage the other things, even if I don't want to, but yeah, it's a thing. We still need to go to the grocery store. We didn't do that. Like there's things. I did go to the grocery store. See, the thing is I did go to the grocery store. I did bake not only a treat, an Easter treat that we delivered to multiple family members, but I baked a loaf of bread and fixed what was way fancier of a dinner last night than I expected mm-hmm. it to be. But See, that's a lot. It is a lot. It doesn't feel like a lot because it's always in the kitchen, but that's my thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, for today, I specifically want to talk about life and business and all the things we're seeing, you know, as marketing plays and also strategies and what we just don't align ourselves with. And if anything, I want you to walk away knowing what kind of space this is and what you can expect from us and what. Sorry, there's (laughs) Abby's looking at my face. There is a huge storm rolling in and the thunder is nutty and my entire house is shaking. I literally thought a ladder fell over. Like yeah, that's a lot yeah, of it. Yeah. So it's fine. We're good. So far, so good. <laughs> well, we'll see how the whole rest of the episode goes. But all of that to say, you know, we've seen a lot that we find incredibly frustrating and we've taught for years that if you're going to work with a coach or a consultant, you should really align yourself with someone who is going to do business in the way that aligns with you and feels right for you. And if not that you want to echo everything about their life, because that's not the point, but how they go about it is super important. And so we want to talk about what is happening in the industry that gives us the ick and like, how are we doing things differently? Yeah. Have you guys seen those like TikTok videos of just like, I get the ick win. And some of them are so funny. Like they're just typically about like the opposite sex. One of them that's really funny. That's just, <laughs> it's kind of like this. It's the feeling that I get inside when some of these things are being like pushed out to people. But one ick that I resonated with so <laughs> much and it's just the most random, but this woman was like, I get the <laughs> I get the ick when she watches her boyfriend chase after a ping pong ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's watching anyone chase after a ball that they like can't get. And they're like bending over on the ground chasing it. But like, to me, truly, that is like the definition of a lot of what we're sharing today. Cause it's like you bending over, stumbling over your feet, chasing after this thing that like, you don't have to do it that way. Like, just stop. The just stop. Sometimes it's comical. Sometimes it's cringy. Sometimes it's frustrating. (laughs) If anything else, we want you to know that there's like an easier, more fluid, more alignment way to go about things. Yeah. And I know that it's going to be different for each of you listening than it is for us. But that we want to help you find what it is going to be for you. Yeah. And some of these, you know, some of these that we're going to talk about, we knew as soon as it was either done to us that we didn't like it and it was an ick and that's not how we wanted to run our business. Or we just see it as a big prevalent theme online or in this space. And 
I will toot our horns for a second. And I want you guys to practice this skill as well. You're going to be throwing a lot of information from a lot of people, including us, if you're listening to this show twice a week. I want you to practice the skill of taking what works and leaving what doesn't work and what doesn't feel in alignment. Because there are things, there are hills that we will die on that might not be a hill that you care about. And that's okay. I want you to be able to filter through those things. And just because someone is saying it or preaching it or requiring it or whatever, doesn't actually mean that it's true or that that has to happen. And so one of the biggest skills that we've been practicing over the last eight years is is listening and saying, is that something that could be tweaked for the way that we run our business in alignment? Or does it match our values in alignment? And if it doesn't, giving full freedom and space to let it go and not pick it up and not bring it into our culture. Yeah. Emily, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time you were in a high pressure sales conversation? Oh God. I feel like it's been a minute because I feel like I can sniff them out really, really well like before you get into it, before even. I get into it. But sometimes it's unavoidable where like, you know, you're literally just talking to someone about like homeowners insurance and you know, you're going to go with them, but the person is just being this like, kind of like sleazy type of talker and like just like presenting the information in a very weird way. But I like, it makes me so uncomfortable. I will just like literally turn around and walk out of the situation if I like physically can. And I like ghost the conversation because I'm so uncomfortable. Well, the funny thing is we recently had a client who like, she was graduating. And so we were doing her final milestone call and I was chatting with her and she was like, you know, I definitely still want to improve my sales process. I really struggle with like selling myself as the expert. And I was like, blah, like you don't have to do that ever. Like not that you don't want to talk about your expertise or what your experience is, but you don't need to sell yourself. If anything, I want to remind you, you're selling your deliverables. You're yes. selling your scope. And if you're really proud of the scope that you're delivering, then you don't ever have to be selling yourself ever. My like, number one trick to more sales is be obsessed with what you're selling. Right. Yeah, and the results that you get. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't have to be a high pressure situation. And as of late, you know, have I had conversations where I really want to help people overcome their own obstacles? Absolutely. But I also know like when we're in a different economic climate, it does not make sense to chase someone's uh -uh. tail. Nope. And so I'm just not going to do that. Nope. Nope. And we have, you know, scripts and different tiers of conversations that will talk to people because part of it is like getting past the reason why someone doesn't want to move forward. And have we done our job to like dig deep into finding out is that like a real excuse, a real holdback, a real purpose, or are you confused about something or do we need to get past a mental block? So some of that is our job to do, but as soon as it's a very clear like no for now or no and here's why, it is a like, great, we have so many other resources we can send you. I am not worried about not providing you value if this thing doesn't make sense. Totally. Yep. Another one that I see really often, we talk to our client, it kind of goes hand in hand with two that I brought up. So I want to bring up both. But 
One is feeling the need and the urgency, like the literal, like, I feel like I'm missing out on something if I don't do this kind of FOMO thought process of needing to sell to everyone and more people and go wide, right? So what that could look like is like, you feel the urgency and pressure of being on all the social media platforms and going viral and building an audience or growing an email list and building an audience or growing a large readership base and building an audience, even if that's not in alignment with how you're currently getting clients. And another one is feeling the guilt, because I've heard the G word from people before, the guilt about not having an offer. I'm sorry, my house is shaking. Not having an offer that's priced low enough for everyone or feeling guilty that some people can't afford or buy your service. So some of these kind of go hand in hand. One is a little bit of more FOMO feeling and one is a little bit more people pleasing. So pick your poison. <laughs> some of us, I feel more of the FOMO. I don't feel the people pleasing, but you might feel something different. And some of these are a little bit hard to kind of push through and, and to understand because especially the people pleasing one comes from this really strong drive to serve and want to impact more people, especially people who have lower budgets. But every time the conversation for me comes back to reminding ourselves that we are all micro businesses that typically do not have capital, typically do not have funding and do not have hundreds or thousands of employees to help support a mission, right? And millions or billions of dollars that help support that. We don't have that. And even those companies do like a really shit job at serving, you know, the underprivileged or people who maybe can't afford this thing. But it's unethical to you and your team to expect to be able to serve for everyone. And until you have actually built a sustainable business that is consistent with revenue, you won't then be able to turn back and give to your community in other ways that may scratch that itch for you. And so it is actually your due diligence to make your business profitable first so that you can turn around and impact others. I think part of this is getting behind a selling method that makes sense for you. And the thing that gives me the ick is when these businesses, in an attempt to sell you into their product or coaching program or whatever, they get really hung up on this method will solve all your shit for you. Like whatever the method is, utilizing Instagram, a funnel, sales calls, the opposite of sales calls, social selling. I mean, and honestly, I love some of these people teaching these things. And so it's hard because I see they get so hung up on the method that I'm like, not all methods work for all people. And I think it's pretty unethical to sell a method as the primary way I think what we do a good job of inside of our program is really leaning into what has worked for the client so far and how can we help them hone the skills that they've already developed and continue to see bigger and better results. You know, for me, I have found that I like kind of a hybrid approach. I really enjoy talking to people. So discovery calls and sales calls make sense for me because I can have a real conversation in real time. And there has been seasons where I was talking to so many leads that a social selling approach was really helpful because I could have these asynchronous conversations. They were still often verbal, but it was recorded in the DMs and we could go back and forth and I could help answer questions. And to think like I could absolutely get on a high horse that 
oh, well, sales calls are the best converting way. And like, why would you ever do it any other way? And it's like, because your life changes and your world changes and oh, things yeah. come up for you. And so well, I nine times out of 10, anyone who's selling a method as this is the only way that this can work and this is the best way. And why haven't you done it are doing multiple ways themselves behind the scenes. Or they're trying to convince people that the way that work for them is the only way that'll work for their clients. And that's just not helpful. Like you just got to find what's going to work for you. And I want to help uncover what has been working by helping you dig in and understand your numbers in a bigger and better way. And part of this, you know, I think there has been a shift. I've seen a couple of people talk about it that, you know, it used to be the vehicle that we were talking about all the time. We were talking about like, you know, it's click funnels or it's this e- growing your email list or it's this social strategy or it's this whatever. I've, you know, I feel like gone are the days we're losing some of that. We're losing people getting so hung up on the method. And now they're selling their lifestyle, but not in a way that's cute. Like, in a way that's like, they're doing it in a way that's like shoving their brand new car or their really nice house in your face. And that's frustrating. Now, granted, I just don't align with a lot of that marketing. I remember I was trying to find something on YouTube one day and I got targeted with this ad that had like five Ferraris in front of this mansion in California. And I was like, YouTube does not know me. Uh, (laughs) This is very weird for me. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't want to sell by focusing on my lifestyle. I also don't want to sell by focusing on a method. In fact, I want to just dismantle all of that. And like, why are we so focused on the growth mechanism period? And instead, I want you to be focused on growing a business that supports the life you want or the life you already have. And like, how can it interweave around what's already working and happening or not working and is stressful? <laughs> like, you know, a lot of you are juggling being a parent or a caregiver or have a chronic illness or, you know, a million other things that happen in your life. And you've been taught by these mass marketers that are typically neurotypical, (laughs) who are very like focused on the business alone. And I'm like, you're a human who's got a lot going on. And so let's build a business that is mindful that you got a lot going on Mm -hmm. and focus on what's going to make the most sense with the time you do have. I'm interrupting myself to bring you something that could change your business forever. I'm hosting a workshop that's so important. I've made it 100% free for all online businesses. Here's what I can promise you. Inside the market shift, you're going to get the most value packed 90 minutes you've seen in years. I'm going to share the ecosystem that represents online businesses today. You're going to walk away knowing how to create more predictable income and sustainably scale, regardless of where you're starting today. You'll uncover the AI secrets top entrepreneurs use to stay ahead, boost productivity, and secure their future. You'll have the exact equation that's making wealthy people wealthier and be able to steal copy-paste it before it widens the wealth gap any further. When you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get access to my exclusive brand new mini course, the two-click funnel, absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I've been running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Save your seat right now at bossproject.com shift, then share it with a friend. There isn't much time between now and the workshop, so head right now to bossproject.com shift to claim your spot. 
Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I made this joke the other day that kind of ties into one of mine. So I've been writing a book, right? And I jokingly shared that like my hard work of being an author had finally paid off when I'd made my first dollar in my work. <laughs> <laughs> and so then a couple weeks later, my dashboard showed $4. And so I took a funny screenshot and I just said, y'all, I have 4 x my income from my book revenue. And I put like a little asterisk down below. And I was like, I feel like this is what like the bro marketers say. And I have multiple people come back and they're like, oh my God, when is your course coming? out like as a joke. And I just thought it was so funny, but it ties. So like I'm an Enneagram three. I think a lot of business owners are, we're multi-passionate and the need and that strong desire to like, want to like create new things or serve more people is there. And I get that. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, me would have been like immediately turning around and trying to create curriculum and content around how to become an author and write and make money and do all these I love things. this growth for you. Okay, I do, but I love teaching and I love, I like, I'm the person who overshares. So like, if yeah. you want to take me to coffee and ask me everything I did to get X result, I will tell you because I'm addicted to talking about stuff like that. And so why not get paid for that? But I'm like, I am tired. I don't want to do that. And so releasing the pressure of needing to be a thought leader in every single arena or every single thing that we do like remarkably well, turning around and teaching someone else then how to do that thing. You don't have to do that. Did you know that? (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) But also, see, the thing is, I feel like when Emily gets on one of those like, ooh, I should do this thing, she gets a little further along. I tend to like think it's a great idea and like start mapping it out, but I ditch the plan before you guys typically see it. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. I'm like, ooh, what if I open a floral shop? Or what if <laughs> I start my own bakery? Or what if I break bake artisan breads and like do that for delivery? I like literally most of these things, like even Emily's like, what the fuck? I just, I, well, and I have to fight this feeling on multiple levels because I feel it innately in me because I love starting businesses and I love trying new things and I love doing all of that. And I have a partner who sees me do one thing kind of well. And they're like, you should do this as a business. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I love your confidence and I do not have time. No, I actually want to do that. My partner, his way of supporting me is like, if I have a bad day, he's like, you know, 
we can just burn it all to the ground. (laughs) I feel like that's how I'm supportive too. I'm like, you know what? Let's just like quit it all. (laughs) He's just like, quit. If you want no pressure, got it. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I'm like, whoa, like that is way too much. Um, Thank you for supportive partners that don't always provide the support. (laughs) Well, and I think part of that goes with this specifically is that like, I felt like, I don't know if it's, it's got to still be happening. And I have just removed myself from the arena where they're talking about this thing. But for years, all I heard was how to grow, how to 10x your results, how to double your business, how to do this, that, and the other thing. And like, it's hard because ultimately I'm still in the business consulting space and I like numbers and I like having tangible results. So I'm not immune to wanting to showcase our client results. And I get that that's triggering because not everyone wants the same thing, nor do they need the same thing. Do some of our clients want a multi-million dollar company? Yes. Do some of our clients like want to make enough that they could, you know, go knit for 20 hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, I, you know, there's a broad mix. Like I wouldn't say our clients are all in the camp of like grow big businesses or in the like, just make enough to like make my lifestyle happen. We have everywhere along the spectrum. Also like, you know, there's a happy medium, right? Y'all. And that's the thing. And I think that's the cool part is I do think we have some people and we tend to be attracting more of them or like they want a decently sized business, but they've, relinquish the like need for it to be this multi-million dollar like yeah organization and they're also they still want to be challenged and they still want to continue to see growth but like what gives me the ick is this constant rhetoric around grow 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 and I don't see enough conversations around how you grow, intentionally slow down, build the back-end systems, get your operations right, focus on stability, and maintain the new yeah. level of growth. Because yeah. what Again, happens if you slowing, don't? Slowing down to build up your endurance is harder than just going fast and fast and fast. Because on the other end of just constantly going fast is burnout. But on the other end of figuring out maintenance for endurance is a lot of internal growth. Like a lot that like feels really uncomfy sometimes. And so I'm not saying both like one is exponentially better than the other, but one can provide you a lasting business with mm-hmm. predictable income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Emily knows this one, Emily, cause I talk about it all the freaking time. I get so frustrated by 95% or more. I mean, I would venture to guess 99% of the educational materials on the market for business are sales and marketing. They're not business foundations at all. And so all these people are walking around thinking, oh, I just need to focus on my marketing or I need to grow my sales. And then like the back end operations and systems and team are an ethical hot mess and well, even their self-care. I mean, I think I've mentioned this once on the podcast, but like it literally still pops up in my brain. And I had to call a client out on a coaching call. This was a month or so ago now, but our values are life first, which means our life comes first before this business, before 
any sales goals before anything, any launching, any marketing, any whatever, any clients, like our life becomes first for us, both Abby and I, but also for our team. But it's also something that we really, really, really talk about strongly with our clients as well. And we attract people who are at least willing to explore saying no to something, putting something down for the sake of their mental health and their life and their family. And we had a client come to coaching who was only focused on sales, like only focused on sales. I just need to sit in sales. I need to make more sales and you have more sales conversations. I don't need sleep and I don't need to create the backend systems right now. And I was like, er, we're going to stop you right there. First of all, go take a nap, like immediately go take a nap. First and foremost, you have to care for yourself. And this is not an environment. We're going to support you intentionally not doing that for the sake of sales. And if you are not mindful of the things that happen once a client becomes a client and what that process looks like, what the delivery looks like, what the communication looks like and everything in between, it's going to self-sabotage your business in the long run. We are here for sustainable, endurance lasting businesses, not flash in the pan businesses. Yeah. I want you to see long-term results. And so a lot of that is from the very beginning, we've been focused on teaching old school business practices that were true even when the internet didn't exist. And there's now technological advances and, you know, systems that are online that support some of these activities. But these were things that people did on paper or in one-on-one in a room and they're still true for business today. And I think for big business, they're expected of, how do I say this without, I feel like it could really piss some people off here, but I was on a podcast recently and it was very uncomfortable because he wanted to keep calling operations administration Mm. um, because of the tie to women holding up the foundation of business behind the scenes for what has been eons. And so the reason you don't see men teaching about these things is they're fundamentally designed from the beginning to be a feminine job, i.e. they're less important. And Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Women have been holding up businesses behind the scenes long before they were given leadership roles, long before they were getting boardroom access. Mm -hmm. And And we will still hold up the table of big businesses and bring in more money, even as our rights continue to get stripped away. So try me. Oof, oof, oof. It's me. (laughs) I got the chills and it's not good. (laughs) I hate that for you. And I'm so glad I was not a part of that podcast interview because we probably would have both gone off. (laughs) You know, there's so many analogies to that point of like the structure and the actual support of a business and what can support even dollars is a structure and processes and systems. And so they go hand in hand and you can't have one without the other. I was reading our list here and and these last three points that we both jotted down literally all deal with each other. And this must give us the ick the most because we've said basically the same thing three different ways. And so we'll we'll end on this giant ick. And, and it is one I feel like we are very, very passionate about because I think for the longest, and I think this is one of the still prevalent messages that's happening in a lot of 
marketing spaces and strategy spaces, because it's a conversation our clients are bringing to us often as a reason that made them want to work with us in the first place. And I found it really interesting when I kind of have to like reframe that reason and the purpose and the intent. And the idea is, and you may have heard this message in a variety of ways, but the one that I have heard most often is the fact that as the founder, as the CEO, you, right? It is your job. This is the ick, right? I'm not saying this. People are saying it is your job to create a business and a space where you don't have to be a part of it anymore, where you get to pull yourself out of every department, out of every menial task, out of everything you don't want to do. It is your job and your privilege and your right to get to pull yourself out of those things. And if you do not pull yourself out of those things or enough of those things, then you are not a real CEO. And I could not put my middle finger up faster and harder for that belief than I do this one. Yeah, I am not going to sit here and gaslight you into believing that you're always going to like your business. I know sometimes you just frankly won't. And the big businesses that are doing this, where they're pulling themselves out of entire departments or entire aspects of their business. In some ways, they're doing this, and I I hate to say it because it's disgusting, honestly. Like, in many ways, they're doing this because they'd rather be ignorant to the things that are happening behind the scenes. This is how CEOs of billion-dollar companies be like, oh, I had no idea we were using child labor. Uh-huh. I had yeah. no idea because they are purposely keeping themselves ignorant. And I'm not saying you need to know about every little thing that's happening in your business, but you should have a high level overview of everything. And you should have a basic understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. And you should have a very clear process in which if things need to be escalated, that you become notified. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that's part of an ethical and safe work environment. And to just assume that you can completely remove yourself from that is putting burden on people that did not ask for it. Yep. 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 We're having a conversation with someone and because this belief is so subconscious for all of us that we don't even maybe realize how firmly we believe it or how many different impacts it has in our thought process. We're having a conversation with a client the other day who We've helped her create a hiring org chart for a plan to hire for specific roles. We helped her create the titles and the job descriptions and the rates and the application and the interview process and everything behind the scenes for her to feel confident to hire some new people to come in and do client deliverables so that she could increase her capacity, right? So we did all of that. And one of those people that she did bring on isn't quite working out. And it means that the owner is having to do some of the tasks behind this person. She's like letting them try and they're failing and, and they're trying and they're failing. And so our client is having to step in and maybe show up to a client meeting that she didn't expect to or prep this document or do this deliverable or whatever. And so she came to this meeting, obviously frustrated by that, that, that she has every right to be frustrated by that. Let's create the game plan to have a conversation or get someone else in there that I can understand and help you tackle. But half of her mindset was, gosh, I hired these people. Like, I should not have to be doing this work, right? Like, I hired these people for the sole purpose of me not having to do this because I have all these other things to do. And I have these things to think about and, and this strategy to try to break down. And I want to be the CEO and sit in the vision seat and all of this stuff. And while I want that for you too, and while as a CEO and a founder, I want you to be sitting in more strategic conversations, 
it can't be like that all the time. And it especially can't be like that when you go through your first round of expanding your team. This is the first time she's had one person on her team for a long time, but this is the first time that she's expanded to quite a lot of people. And sometimes we take a step forward and we take a step back and we take two steps forward. We take a step back. And if we sit every time we have to tweak or refine in such resentment from the tasks that we sometimes have to pick back up because for some reason now all of a sudden it's beneath us, we're going to have a problem. Your business is going to have a problem. Your culture is going to have a problem. And I think it's this tie to that expectation that as soon as we delegate it and offload it, that we are then too good to ever pick it back up again, even in a season. We forget that we're the only one that cares about our company as much, like the most ever. Like that's it. Even people who are on our team and have been and who are loyal and committed and care about the team, they never will as much as we do. And so sometimes there are late nights or early mornings or last minute things that just happens. That is the nature of the beast. It is the nature of the beast. And I do think some people let this slip for too long. And then, you know, I don't want it to be an undercover boss kind of situation where you have to like stealthily creep into these different departments and take things back over so that so-and-so doesn't recognize whatever your team should be used to you being involved and should be excited about updating you. And I mean, okay, if it's a bad thing, they, they don't have to be excited about telling you a bad thing, but like, they should feel comfortable and confident bringing that to you because you don't want to create an environment where they feel like they can't report problems or come up with potential solutions. And like, I just think it's so ass backwards that we hire a team for the support, right? That's what everyone says. I want the support in order to reach these goals. Oh my gosh, these people are great. They're providing me the support that I need, the clients, the support that I need, et cetera, et cetera. Well, who's providing them support? And sometimes they're going to need your support and that might show up in different ways. But what is space? What is space to be in as a leader to know that our team can come to us and speak up and raise their hand when they need help, knowing that it might just be us who steps in and provides them the help that they need and helps them create the support and the systems or bringing on a new team member to alleviate that load. I'm not saying it's your job to then take that thing back on forever and always. But the support street goes two ways. Yeah. I mean, I have not hesitated, even though I didn't want to do the thing. I have not hesitated to, you know, delegated more about this kind of communication or this is what we want done. And then like something happens and the team member who's just been given this new responsibility is so flustered and so frustrated. It's like, let's just take it back for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you're not ready, right. but like this situation is difficult. Yep. And so let me help you through it. Yep. And I don't want to do it either, but, right. but I know that like, but at the end of the day, this is your business. Yeah. It's your responsibility, right. not theirs. It's totally. my responsibility, not theirs. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. I just need more anxiety medication. (laughs) But all of this to say, I do think there's light at the end of the tunnel here. Okay. Because while there's a lot happening in the world that is frustrating and a lot happening in this space that is frustrating, I can illustrate to you that there is a team, our team here to help you 
align the way you want to run your business with the life you do have, with the time you do have, with the financial needs you do have, and create a unique approach that's for you and someone who's going to push you to be a new kind of leader, a new kind of manager, a a new kind of support team for the team you may or may not have, even if that's something you're actively growing towards. But like, is it always comfortable? No, it's not because growth isn't always comfortable. You growing as a person isn't always comfortable and we're going to do it in the gentlest, kindest way possible to make you a better person and make you someone who has more awareness. And I promise you it does get easier. Like it does get easier and it can be more fun and it can continue to move you forward in ways you never thought were possible. It can give you the ability to take true time off where you are not involved at all for a set period of time and the business can continue running without you. And you know, even if you're not there to make the ultimate call or decision, you've trained your team to make decisions in alignment with the way you would go about things. And it is the most empowering thing I've ever done. Definitely one of the most challenging. But if you are someone who wants perspective that is through your lens, like through your life, let us be that team for you. We are actively enrolling for the incubator and I would love to see your names come through. I'd love to chat with you about how we do things differently and how we can provide support that is unlike anything you've seen before. So you can grab a time with me right now at bossproject.com incubator. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.